You are listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program in Bakersfield, California, a UCLA-affiliated program sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Visit your primary care provider for additional medical advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rio Bravo Q Week. My name is Hector Arriaza, and I'm a faculty member of the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program. And today, we're going to be presenting episode 138. Today is May 4th, 2023. This episode is going to be posted later during this month, in a couple of weeks. So, uh, but today, I have a guest. Uh, she was here in Bakersfield a few weeks ago, but she is now at home. So, uh, can you introduce yourself, Princess? Welcome to the to this podcast. Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Princess Anuka. I'm currently a fourth year medical student at Ross University School of Medicine. And right now, I'm at home taking an online cardiology elective. Great. Very happy to be here today. Very good. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we are really excited to talk about this episode today because heart failure is something that we see a lot in clinic. And there's also a newer medication that we are seeing a lot of good results with. So can you give us an introduction of the topic, Princess, please? Yes. So today we're going to be talking about the use of SGLT2 inhibitors in the treatment of heart failure. Heart failure is a major medical condition that affects millions of people worldwide. It is one of the leading causes of hospitalization and death in developed countries, such as the United States. And recently, these medications have emerged as a promising treatment option for heart failure. And today we're going to talk about their benefits, their effectiveness, and also their adverse effects. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of SGLT2 inhibitors. I've seen it working very well for too many of my patients. And um, um, of course, I've seen, unfortunately, some of the side effects too. But for the most part, uh, patients um, who are taking SGLT2 inhibitors, they are better control of their diabetes. So that's something that I really like about it. And also that I love that many of my patients start losing weight. So they, they really love uh, the effect on the weight. And I'm glad that we're going to be talking about SGLT2 inhibitors today. So can yes, you give us a little too. bit... Can you just give, give us a little bit of background information, Princess, please? So SGLT2 inhibitors are also known as sodium glucose co-transporter 2 inhibitors, and they're a relatively novel cast of drugs that have shown promise in the treatment of heart failure. This transporter reabsorbs glucose from the glomerular filtrate back into the bloodstream. Under normal circumstances, SGLT2 inhibitors reabsorb, or sorry, SGLT2 Transporters reabsorb 100% of the filtered glucose unless it's saturated, such as in hyperglycemia or blocked by medications. SGLT2 inhibitors increase the amount of glucose excreted in the urine, which leads to blood glucose reduction. And some examples of this medication are empagliflozin, dapagliflozin, and canafiglozin. Yeah, all the glyphlozins. So that's yes. that's very good. And um, so... SGLT2 inhibitors have become a first-line therapy for diabetes mellitus. So recently, the American Diabetes Association, they actually recommended to start patients on this medication, even if they are not taking metformin. Before, we were using this medication only when you were using metformin, but now you can use it as a monotherapy too. So I heard before that it was used in Europe for type 1 diabetes, 
but it seems like they are no longer used in Europe for type 1, according to my most recent search of articles online. So um, it's good to remember that because that was one of the things I was jealous about Europe. You know, how come they use it there for type 1 and not here in the United States? But they're no longer using it there for type 1 either. So um, yeah, and the SUD2 inhibitors are not approved by the FDA for use on type 1 diabetes because it increases the risk of diabetic 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 ketoacidosis or DKA, what you call DKA. Yes. So, Princess, besides the benefits in diabetes, what else did you find in your review? So in my research, I also found that SGLT2 inhibitors have additional benefits beyond just their glucose-lowering effects. And one of the benefits is their ability to increase myocardial energy production, alleviate systemic microvascular dysfunction, and improve systemic endothelial function. Natriuresis, which is the excretion of sodium, and glucosuria, the excretion of glucose, is mediated by SGLT2 inhibitors and have been shown to lower cardiac preload and reduce pulmonary congestion and systemic edema, which is very beneficial for heart failure management specifically. And studies have shown that these drugs can also improve cardiovascular outcomes in patients with heart failure with a reduced ejection fraction. Yeah, that's that's great to know. Um, you know, um, those are very interesting findings that you're mentioning. And um, do you know of any specific study that you can tell us about? Yes, I do. So one trial I learned about is the Emperor Reduced Trial, which demonstrated that empagliflozin, which is brand name Jardiance, reduced the risk of cardiovascular death and hospitalization for heart failure in patients with reduced ejection fraction by 25% compared to placebo. Several clinical trials have also shown that this result is significant, whether the patients have type 2 diabetes or not. Also, in another multi-center, double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial, in patients with heart failure, treatment with dapagliflozin, which is brand name Farxiga, improved heart failure-related symptoms and reduced physical limitations after only 12 weeks of treatment. And patients that were treated with dapagliflozin had a significant clinically meaningful improvement in the six-minute walking test, which is a test that just measures how much distance a patient can walk within six minutes. The magnitude of these benefits was statistically and clinically significant, spanning all subgroups categorized, including men, women, presence of type 2 diabetes or not, and other comorbidities. And these include also patients that have an ejection fraction above or below 60%. So that includes patients that have preserved ejection fraction as well. That's very interesting. So something that my patients ask me frequently is uh, if they are going to produce more urine when they are taking these medications. So I tell them, yes. So, but they, they think they're going to be peeing the whole day, you know, and the whole night. But I, I tell them, just take the medication in the morning with enough water and you'll be fine. So if you don't have any, um, you know, fluid restriction, you should be taking these medications with enough water to be able to excrete all the excess sugar that you have in your body. And, and well, in the case of uh, heart failure, you know, you don't yes. have to care so much about the, the sugar if you don't have diabetes. But for most mm -hmm. patients are taking this with diabetes, so I tell them to take, to drink enough water to be able to, to, to prevent uh, many of the side effects of these medications. Yes, so, I agree. And, and you, you know, you're a, you're a medical student and you have a, a long career of, ahead of you. And I know that 
um, you're going to be a very successful uh, doctor in the future. But uh, so far in the clinic or in the hospital, have you had any experiences uh, with these medications? Yes, I have. Actually, this is what prompted my interest in this topic. During a previous clinical rotation, it was a nephrology rotation. I had a patient that was taking Jardians for heart failure. He came in for management of his chronic kidney disease, um, and he managed his condition well with medications and regular follow-ups. But interestingly, he was prescribed Jardians, which I believed was just for diabetes management only. And when I asked him about it, he explained that his cardiologist prescribed Jardians specifically for his heart. He also had heart failure as well. At the time, I did not understand the rationale behind prescribing Jardians, especially since this patient did not have any history of type 2 diabetes. But after researching the medication, I figured that his cardiologist had chosen Jardians due to its demonstrated benefits in reducing the risk of cardiovascular death and hospitalization for heart failure. And although this medication was initially considered to be only a glucose-lowering agent, the effects of SGLT2 inhibitors have expanded far beyond that, as we've seen in these clinical trials. The use has expanded to include heart failure and chronic kidney disease, even in patients without diabetes. Therefore, I thought it was really important that cardiologists, diabetologists, nephrologists, and primary care physicians are very familiar with this drug class. Yeah, and um, in the recent years, you know, we have become very familiar with these medications and we are using it um, basically on a, on a daily basis. You know, uh, most of our patients are uh, starting to take this medication and um, so far the results are very good, very positive. So uh, I was reading a little bit about the history of SGLT2 inhibitors and, um, you know, the first time that they discovered them, it was around the 1950s. But most, uh, most of the uh, marketing has, has been happening within the last few decades, be, be, you know, between the 2000s mostly. And um, so, but initially it was thought that the glucosuria and the weight loss were side effects. But then over time, we have realized that actually there were good effects for our patients. And, you know, who would have thought that a medication with an initial undesired side effect of glucosuria and weight loss will go this far, right? So, yes, but of course, we have to take into consideration that SGLT2 inhibitors are not for everyone. So, we have to talk about exactly. the side effects too, right? So, can yes, we talk we about do. the side effects? Yes, so it is worthwhile to note that SGLT2 inhibitors are not typically used as a first line treatment for heart failure, and not all patients with heart failure are appropriate candidates for these medications. SGLT2 inhibitors are generally well tolerated, but they can cause adverse effects. Genital and urinary tract infections and euglycemic diabetic ketoacidosis are the most common side effects experienced by patients. The incidence of these adverse effects is generally low, and they can be managed with appropriate monitoring and treatment. But in addition to those, SGLT2 inhibitors can also cause dehydration, electrolyte imbalances, hypotension, and acute kidney injury. Now, these imbalances are more common in elderly patients or those with renal impairment, like the patient I discussed earlier. Yeah, it's important to mention that euglycemic diabetic ketoacidosis because your patients are going to have normal glycemia or, you know, it could be between 200, 300, not like this, 500 that we see in, D in DKA. 
and patients are still going to be in ketoacidosis. So that's something to remember. And also, it's important to remember that SGLT2 inhibitors are contraindicated where the GFR is very low, so usually below 25 or 30, and they vary on their indications based on the, the type of SGLT2 inhibitor that you are prescribing. So I would recommend that our listeners, they look at the manufacturer label and they they can um, decide if a you know if a SGLT2 inhibitor is is uh, appropriate for their patients. So regarding the genital yeast infections, so that's something very common too. But we have to remember that diabetes is also a risk factor for genital yeast infections. So just having diabetes can give you the risk or can give you a yeast infection. Because the glucose that is normally in the urine and in the genital tract is used as a substrate by microorganisms to grow in the GU tract. So that's why you have to remember, remind your patients, you know, having diabetes can give you yeast infections, but these medications can actually increase the risk of yeast infections too. But if you have a patient with a yeast infection, just uh, treat it. Uh, you don't need to stop the medication, just treat the, the infection and continue the medication until, you know, the, the symptoms are not tolerable for the patient anymore. Um, Fortunately, yeast infections in the genital tract are very benign and easy to treat. But if your patient is really not tolerating uh, those infections, um, you know, you can just stop the medication. But uh, just you have to make an analysis there. You have to decide what's better to take. The, the, you have to compare the balance, I mean, the, the risk with the benefits. And then you can decide if it's appropriate for your patient. Yes, infections are a risk that you take when you're prescribing SGLT2 inhibitors. But as you mentioned, with proper follow-up and management, they can be treated. Yeah, and um, UTI and genital yeast infections are also preventable. If the patient is staying well hydrated while taking these medications, they can prevent them a lot. So increased intake of water will dilute the urine and decrease the concentration of glucose in the urine. And um, UTI and or genital yeast infections are also treated as usual, you know, with um, antimycotics and, and with antibiotics, and the HGLT2 inhibitor can be resumed after infections are treated and controlled. You know, in, in case of recurrence, the clinician may consider discontinuation, as I mentioned before, uh, based on a case-by-case -case analysis. So patients using HGLT2 inhibitors for treatment should have regular follow-ups with their physicians for the early detection of these adverse effects. Yes. Let's talk about another adverse effect that we've discovered, bladder cancer. It's not clear if chronic glucosuria is tumorigenic since there are no long-term data on it yet. But in clinical trials, there are 10 cases of bladder cancer that were diagnosed among dapagliflozin users, five of which occurred only in the first six months of treatment. In response to this, the FDA has recommended post-marketing surveillance studies, and currently, dapagliflozin is not recommended in patients with active bladder cancer. Okay. And then also something that has been in the media a lot is limb amputation so and bone fractures too. So there was one trial canvas uh, that demonstrated an increased incidence of bone fractures and limb amputations among users of canagliflozin. So that's the Invocana brand name. But another trial, which is called the Credence, uh, did not demonstrate such increased incidence of bone fractures or limb amputations. So this increased risk has not been proven with empagliflozin, for example. But... Um, you know, uh, I recommend the listeners to read more about it, but it seems like uh, 
the the risk is very low compared to, uh, compared to to how it was before. You know, it, there was a bigger bigger concern before, but uh, the most recent studies they have um, pretty much demonstrated that the the risk is very low for bone fractures and limb amputation. So it has been fascinating to discuss this topic with you, Princess. I think uh, our you. listeners are going to benefit a lot from this information. And I would like to give you the opportunity to wrap it up. Yes. So to conclude, SGLT2 inhibitors have shown promise in the treatment of heart failure, particularly in patients with a reduced ejection fraction. Even though the specific mechanism of action through which they work on the cardiovascular system is currently unknown, they have been shown to reduce the risk of hospitalization for heart failure and cardiovascular death in several clinical trials. These medications lower blood glucose levels, and they have other beneficial effects on the cardiovascular system that make them good options for the management of heart failure. Yeah, and um, well, I thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Princess for being here and discussing SGLT2 inhibitors and the effect on heart failure. And I hope our listeners uh, can benefit from this information. And uh, I wish you success, Princess, in your future career. Thank you. I appreciate that. Enjoy your rotation. And uh, you'll be a resident soon. So (laughs) enjoy this a few months before you start your residency. Yes, I will. Thank you everyone for listening to this topic. I hope you found it as interesting as I did and took away something important from it. Now, we conclude episode number 138, SGLT2 inhibitors in heart failure. Princess explained that SGLT2 inhibitors have many benefits that go beyond their glucose-lowering properties. Recently, the use of SGLT2 inhibitors has been extended to include heart failure with reduced ejection fraction and chronic kidney disease, even in patients without diabetes. Dr. Ariasa also explained that the FDA has not approved the use of SGLT2 inhibitors for the treatment of type 1 diabetes because of the reported increased risk of diabetic ketoacidosis or DKA. There is ongoing research about additional uses of SGLT2 inhibitors, and we are looking forward to hearing more about these medications in the future. This week, we thank Hector Ariasa and Princess Inuka. Audio editing by Adrian Silva. Even without trying, every night you go to bed a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at RioBravoQWeek at ClinicaSierraVista.org or visit our website, RioBravoFMRP.org slash QWeek. See you next week.